0: Welcome to another episode of Chai Time with Jags and today I have Missy D with me she's a renowned radio presenter from the Asian community here in the UK. Welcome! Thank you Jags how are you my lovely? I'm okay thank you thank you so much for coming on
1: That's okay. the podcast. That's okay. How How have things been since you've left the world of radio? Uh, It's been an interesting journey, my love. Um, I left radio many years ago, actually. Um, Not because I wanted to. It's because I was pushed out of it, uh, which is a story I'm probably telling you in this podcast or maybe another podcast. So I was ousted out of radio um, and then kind of went into depression for about four days, four years, not four days, four years. Uh, And then I went into primary school, a supply teacher at a primary school, (laughs) which is interesting. In between that, I was still... Uh, trying to keep missy d alive so i did set up my own radio station that a uh, nice nose dived um and then i after doing that i started djing i did quite a lot of djing for for many years um and then i became ill and since becoming ill haven't done much really to be honest so that's how i been my journey post-radio. But my radio life is still alive. It's very crazy that we're sitting here in 2023 and, Jags, even today, I'll still get messages in on, on Facebook, on Instagram or whatever. Uh, Missy, oh, my God, I used to listen to you when I was eight and now I'm 24 and I've got three kids and I still remember you and this, that, that. Oh, the other. God. So, Missy D seems to be very alive, which really does still shock me today. It really does. Well, you were, a, you were an iconic figure.
0: Of that time people tell me this but I don't really get it but the thing is you came at a time when I I think please correct me it was a predominantly male dominated yeah. industry wasn't it yeah. so for for a female to come into Asian radio thisy yeah. radio it was definitely a journey and a half for you but how did your journey into radio start initially and this was what we're talking back in the 90s aren't we
1: we're talking 90s, we're talking late, 80s actually, I'm born in 1970, so I'm old, uh, um, and you, a lot of people don't believe when I tell them that radio wasn't my journey, radio was never in my radar. Uh, my mom is a primary school teacher, and she'd always wanted me to be a primary school teacher, because why? Because the holidays are very good, you get maternity leave and all this thing, and you will be, you're going to be a teacher. I was like, fine, I'm go, go and be a teacher. Oddly enough, I went to university uh, in my head to go and do IT, but I ended up doing media communications with photography. Uh, so uh, I ended up at university and uh, literally partied for four years, uh, got myself a 22, which was uh, shocking in my world. Um, and then left uni thinking, what the hell am I going to do now? And I'd, I'd picked on elements. Uh, we'd done photography. We'd done a bit of acting, hadn't really done radio uh, or even touched on it. So after uni, couldn't find a job, and there was an organisation in Birmingham called CSV Media that helped people that were unemployed because I was on the dole um, to get into media. Uh, through that, we had some work experience at the BBC. Now I don't know if you remember there was B- uh, Richard and Richard and someone uh, this morning with Richard and Judy or Richard and Judy or something. Anyway, oh, was, yeah, on, on yeah. ITV, yeah, ITV. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. And um no, sorry, BBC. That was BBC at the time.
0: But there were
1: yeah, <laughs> I was in the BBC. Um okay. and, and there was a, a presenter called Rajesh Merchant Uh he also was a, a presenter at that time. So I did some work experience in the pig pen, what are they call the pig pen. The pig pen was when they take live phone calls um on the TV show, and I would take the phone calls, and that was about it, really. And the one mm-hmm. thing that we were told was like when you're in the BBC, it was a, BB pe- pebble mill, a BBC Pebble Mill in Birmingham. Do not knock on doors. So that's the only thing we ask. You're going to go there, work experience, pick up your experiences, but don't start harassing people for jobs and stuff. I've always been a Missy good- goody two shoes. So I didn't. The whole of my group, there's probably about 20 of us, had all sorted their jobs out, got you know made contacts in the BBC, schmoozed them, had coffees and all that kind of stuff. And I just left the BBC going, how do they all get their jobs? And I didn't get anything because I was just <laughs> like, so innocent. Um, But every time I would speak during that time, it was so prominent. People kept going, oh, my God, you've got a radio presenter's voice. You should apply for radio. I'm like, shut up. Uh, Because I was the shyest person ever. Even at that point, I was quite shy. And I was like, Um, they kept going. It kept hammering. It kept coming back to me. Radio presenter's voice, radio presenter's voice. I was like, really? At that point, it was when the commercial radio station licenses were coming up. So people like uh, Radio XL in Birmingham. Where the likes of Sonny Dual, Adil Ray, who's like huge on TV now, yeah, uh, with Radio XL. Then, um, a radio in Leicester, the um, BBC Asian Network at that point, I think they were called something else on, on the BBC, they just started up their a radio station up there as well, so it was just like a whole new phenomenon. So, there was an advert somewhere for radio presenters at Radio XL, um, and I went in there, applied for a, a radio presenter slot. He just the guy who interviewed me goes, you're just not good enough. Um, uh, how about some voiceovers? Because I didn't have any radio experience, did I? Because yeah. you've got the voice, but you you know, you haven't got any radio experience. So start, let's start with voiceovers. Um, and I clearly remember there was Sonny Dior working there at that point, Adol Ray, and quite a few people that are well known in the industry now. So started on voiceovers, and at that point, I used to get paid two pounds a voiceover. Um, and it would they would have me in the studio hours. Uh, repeating the same thing getting the, making sure the pronouncements were announced a pr- pronunciation was perfect so I remember doing one I was in a studio for about three hours doing Khan Khan and you had to do all the whole bloody pronunciation of the Indian language oh god! so I did that then excelled into doing um then a, it was called the big Bollywood batch or something like that uh with another male presenter um so I was still so going back to your question about trying to break barriers, I've always tried to break barriers all my life, being coming from a family, all four girls. Um, although I was still breaking in, trying to do the voiceovers and trying to become a radio presenter only because then it had become a mission. It was like being told by family and friends that this is in a proper job radio is not a proper job you want to do it you go and do it that is your hobby but you still go and do a proper job so side by side I worked as a full-time photographer so I was a school photographer you know those with the backgrounds and the umbrellas and yeah say, oh, the schools the school yeah. photos every year with the yeah. cheeky smiles exactly and the retakes so I was the one going to say smarties and driving around the UK and, and and doing that kind of thing so even though I excelled from doing voiceovers and they gave me a chance to be in radio they still would not give me a chance of having a show on my own it had to be with a male and the male had to drive the desk so I was just a person sitting on the side and he drove the show and he produced the show and I was essentially a kind of sidekick in his eyes in my eyes I was like get lost this is my show too but yeah. always have to overtake and stuff like that
0: yeah uh, I suppose it comes with that mindset you know the patriarchy yeah. mindset yeah where the men we lead and there's nothing wrong with men leading but yeah. also at the same time women are equal their counterparts you know they are now and then not in those days Those not those in those days. days but again it's that conditioning of that mindset I mean yeah. Yeah. obviously coming from like Asian backgrounds, both you and I, and also like you coming from like a family of four girls. I'm yeah. a girl with predominantly like male cousins and males. Yeah. Um, I'm two brothers, and also I have got my female cousins as well. But yeah. it was like, I would be like, I like personally, I would be like, uh, whatever. Like your, your cousins are like this. Why can't you be more like them? Um, and I would be like, no. Oh, <laughs> boys are like this, boys are like that. And at that, that point in my life, I mean, I'm like, I, I'm a 70s baby as well. Yeah. But um, late 70s. And I was be like, nah, I'm gonna show you I'm just as good as the boys. If not, I'm better. And that's something that's really stuck with me. Yeah, and yeah the way it's like when we look back and we look at our journey you're like how the hell did I end up where I am now it's yes. it, it quite and an amazing it's fight thing. doesn't it but I think it's, it's been quite a fight know. and the thing is realistically it has been a fight for a lot of Asian lot. women you know especially from that generation and I you know women who are probably in their 30s and their 20s Mm. they've probably not experienced half the things that we did we've probably paved the way and the opportunities for what they have now and they I'm not going to say it's easy for them now either it's not it's still difficult but it's not as difficult as what it was for women of it was a whole new ball generation it was completely different I mean obviously And I'm sure you've probably found this with people that you know from that generation. A lot of the women got married at really young ages, didn't they? There were very few who actually went to university. Um, And even then it was like, you got your degree, you're not working, you're getting
1: married and then you can go and do whatever you want to do after you get married. As soon as I finished uni, I was 21, I think. Um, uh, my mom lived in America. Dad was here because we were trying to get to America. Long story, but anyway, as soon as I finished, went to got flown off to America. Uh, mom's like, right, your nanas found you a, a boy, and uh, he they own all the kids in the California, and you will not have any problems because um, they're really rich and stuff and I was like you what because I'm not gonna get married and uh but I'd already been dibbling and dabbling with them you know here's another suitor here's another suitor I was like fine so they went off to see this bloke and came back my cousin went he goes nah he goes he had these cowboy boots on right and you know when they spin at the back they got these oh yeah it's like no my cousin was gay and he's like there's no way in hell you can marry him so and then I, I said to my mom goes I'm not going to get married. Sorry, I'm 21 and I want to go and live my life. And she still sanars me nowadays, like, and basically then you don't want to get just in case you've got non-Asian business. You know, uh, you said you didn't want to get married. And I never got married. I'm in 52 now. I never got married. And um, so it was a case of why am I going to get married you're going to ruin my life I've had my life ruined before anyway before going to uni because like I said I am i have four daughters I'm the eldest but I've always been the responsible one I've had a lot of responsibilities all my life mm. so then I went to uni that's why I partied for four years in uni because it was like shit I'm freedom, freedom. <laughs> literally that what the hell it was it was freedom it was four years of drinking and partying and who the hell cares what I'm doing? Because I'm not getting told here. To and then it was back to Voom. You're going to get married. I'm like, no, I'm not going to get married. Uh, you can do what the hell you like. So my nana, my mum's uh, dad, he, he didn't talk to me for a good year. I locked myself in oh the Oh no! I'm not going to get married. And he's like, he's the best one for her to get married to. Her life is going to get set. And I was, and then on top of that, she wanted me to be a primary school teacher. I was like, get lost! First, you want me to get married, then you want me to be a primary. But this school is it. Girl. Their list of demands was like horrendous. Yeah. yeah, I remember. It's just
0: I, I remember like him because I growing up, I used to live with my grandparents. Uh huh. And I remember like an episode. Oh god, I must have been about. Nine or ten, yeah. and my grandmother was like, "You're a mudyard now," and I'm like, you're, "You're grown up now," and I'm like, okay. "I'm a kid."
1: She, yeah, she should
0: be doing all the housework. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to go out and play. I want to go out and play.
1: I don't <laughs> want to be doing the dishes. Get the boys to do the dishes. <laughs> oh, because you were boy good. And was it just you in the house then, or your brothers were there too? Um, no, my brothers were there too. They, oh, they were so you, were the good you were the girl because oh, I was the girl. No. And I'm like, what about my
0: co- boy cousin? What <gasps> about him? And he's the same age. Oh. It was like shock horror, shock horror. Um, you know, but there's a lot of there's a lot of that. I mean, but growing up, I mean, I used to get away with it. I'd just be like, all right, then. I just go up to her and it's like, all right, BG, like BG being my grandmother. Yeah. And I just cuddle her and stuff. And I was like, look, I'm the same height as you now. I'm going. See you later. Bye. <laughs> you can't grab
1: me. No, no, we had a different, like, Well, I had a cousin, my mum's, my mummy's son, his name's Vicky, and he would get away with murder, is going to do this, make Bikku's food, hoover for Bikku, Bikku's not going to do anything, we call him Bikku, Vicky. Um, uh, my mum sat down, she goes, listen, just because he's a boy, he has to pull his weight, but he, he was treated like a king, and all of his sisters, three sisters had to do everything for him, he'd come to England, and mum was like, darling, when you come to England, you do what the rest do. You wash your own pande, you do the hoover, you do your bed. So, and she, she, he, since then, actually, he's a responsible young man and teaches his kids now. But one boy, one girl, exactly the same. This is what you do. But society has changed so
0: much since yeah. we were kids because oh, yeah. obviously when the boys went to university, who was going to clean for them? They had to yeah. clean for themselves. Exactly. And I have to say, like... I'm touch wood I used to push my brothers into the kitchen I was like can you go and do this can you go and do that <laughs> now they both cook no oh, problem wow. they both cook so perfect perfect yeah. but I yeah. mean coming back to you like your journey obviously you said that you were like four sisters I mean it yeah. must have been really difficult especially at a time when people would be like oh it's a shame you haven't got a boy oh, because yeah. there was such this emphasis on like having a male child yeah yeah. in that such a patriarchal kind of environment that our parents had been brought up in but how did that impact like your relationship with your mum and dad I mean did your mum ever
1: feel like the lack of a boy and and your dad it was since birth so basically so I hear the stories now uh I was the eldest and uh, my pua used to feed my mum Lundu she goes, if she, uh, she kept feeding me lardu, munda hoga, munda hoga, you'll have a boy. So when, when I popped out, she goes, "You looked a bit weird, a bit Chinesey, but she <laughs> goes, uh, you were a goodie. My mum loved me, but my dad, dad he had uh, this thing that, you know, she's not a boy. Um, so she would tell me stories like, when a, ba- a babaji, you know, all these families got babajis, a babaji came, and he said, oh, which is what the their family, Babaji, if you and he said to her, Munda Hoga, if you put a bug on him and keep him as Dadi, Dari, um, then it will be Munda. So my mom goes in my head. I was like, oh, I want a modern boy. I don't want to put a bug on him. So she blames herself uh, that she didn't have the boy um all my life since i've been hearing since i was a kid like oh you know you um because i'm i'm not if, i'm not effeminate i'm a, a very kind of like tomboyish looking person but i've been made into a munda so i was since birth you, you're you're our boy so yeah I was up like the boy and mama often says you know um you're just like a boy or you're or the only thing you never got was a tickle tackle so that's how open it has been but also even today and now I'm working on self healing. That is one of my biggest issues since being not even birth in 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 the embryo status. I've gone back as far as which is a whole another conversation. But yeah, that's, yeah. No, but yeah, people every, don't... Year, every couple of years it was another girl, another girl, another girl. Even the third, for my fourth sister is 11 years younger to me, and we call it the accident. And I'm like, it wasn't an accident. It was just a case of trying. You know, the families just keep going. Yeah, no,
0: you,
1: two years, you sisters, have these, these families. got the 15th one was a boy, so that yeah. was. Attempt of having a boy. Mum will never admit it, but my dad would just slap his forehead, going, "Oh my God, it's another girl! It's another girl!" And he used to say, "Oh, this house is too much. Too many women's in this house. I can't take it." So yeah, he he drank like every other Indian man to drown his sorrows. It's
0: such a sad sad state of affairs that people at that time were in such a mindset. I mean, I remember, like, I get comments from my dad. I even get them now. Yeah. oh if only you'd been a boy and I'm just like looking at him I was just like mm-hmm.
1: yeah I was like exactly. is, don't go there and don't they say it they, parents still say and they'd have no idea how much it's affected a lot of a lot of my life and I'm sure other Asian people's life and then for me it did become a battle of like just screw you lot let me show you that um even if I'm a girl um, I can do exactly what a boy does because I've been brought up as a boy. I'm treated as a boy. I'm expected to do the jobs of boy and girl. So why can't I go and do a, a, a radio job? Um, but again, that was frowned upon. There's uncles out there going, <laughs> so they'd, they'd be that blatant. Like, you know, she's a good she's a because she's working in radio and that's not and a the- real job and the thing is the ironic thing is
0: it still carries on even now so even if you yeah. have women like young asian women yeah. who are trying to make something of themselves on like on all these social media platforms yeah. you will still get the men, men
1: the indian cool make- the exactly. indian
0: culture men making all these comments i mean I'm, i don't know if you're on tiktok or not sometimes i'm yeah. scrolling through yeah. and some of these videos made by indian men yeah right punjabi men
1: yeah
0: um also other backgrounds as well yeah and they're like dissing indian women and i was just like you've got a sister you're someone's son what if your sister or your
1: mother was wanting to do something, stepping out of their comfort zone, what yeah. would you do then? It you know, incenses it, it me. It makes me so, so angry and I'm always on a path to try and change that mindset, but you can't. And the reason I say I'm not a defeatist, but the point is with that, it's the way that they're, they've they been trained by their parents, Their it's a cultural thing that keeps going on and on, generation to generation. And it really, I know parents now that have young kids, but their sort is as bad as what their parents had instilled in them. And unfortunately, they're going to instill that same bullshit into the, the their kids and their kids and it will never stop because it's that conditioning so,
0: until there's someone who comes in and makes that stop like yeah. the black
1: sheep or the family yeah yeah, yeah. and, and the thing that they remain the black sheep though i find that they remain that they get ostracized but the family like i'm not you this is how you do it this is how you do it. indian kuri i don't wear this they don't do that uh, if, if you know as the Sikhs if if my daughter marries a Paki is the language they use if they marry a Paki I'm gonna fucking kill them and sli- slice their head off or the other way around a, a Muslim if you know see it's just bullshit See, I don't believe I believe in interracial marriages I believe everyone's a human uh, but to try and, and rewire the brains of all the Asian culture bullshit is it's just it has to you need a new world because it's just so we need, bad definitely need a new we do need a new world but I think I mean I
0: from what I see and I like things that I see and yeah. obviously I some people are changing. There they are, are yeah, the no, dynamics are changing. They are it's they are very changing. slow. It's yes. very slow. Yeah. It, it's yeah. we're going towards the right way but it's very very slow. And I feel like people aren't as tolerant as they used to be either. Hmm. In different ways. Yes, yes.
1: But that's the like it was completely- new then, but it's all handed over now. Well, the social media really is a really I mean I'm part of social media, but really I would love for it all to be shut down. I would love for mobile phones not to exist. I sometimes do crave, you know, the dick tick dick phones that we used to have. Yeah, the stuff. old the old dialing phones. Yeah, going to the red phone box. I used to back in those days, I have found a system to kind of get the money back out and put the money back in again. But I used to love that shit. I, it's just like that was real life, going out with your friends and you know. Or the pressure it is easier for them uh, and there is change and it is too slow you're right but sometimes it's just oh it just blows my mind it's the way society has changed over years as much as technology is here to help us it can yeah. be a pain it's, yeah technology letting... i think has ruined the world big time
0: it has it has because it's like we've got so much information on our fingertips yeah. now i mean kids aren't even kids nowadays if you think not, about it I
1: don't know
0: that whole innocence is just like
1: the the most random day. Yeah. And you know, no disrespect to, no loving your podcast and stuff, Jags, but for me, I've always said, now everyone's a bloody radio presenter, but back then I was unique and it took me a lot of my life to put into what I did in my radio career to get on in front of a mic, to broadcast it out there. But now I find everyone can buy a mic, get on a computer, and everyone's a, a radio presenter, everyone is an influencer, everyone is a celebrity. And I never set out in radio to be a celebrity. After I got over that shyness and I went back into becoming their Missy D, and, and things became bigger and bigger and bigger for me, it, it became my passion and it became my way of ch- my little way of changing the world. And it was bloody, it was hard. Like I said, I got so abused in radio in the end, I walked because I couldn't take it anymore. But it, it was a hard graft. And now everyone's like, yeah, yeah. I'm a radio. I'm a. I'm a podcaster. I'm a radio presenter. I'm a this. I'm a that. And like anyone can be that in five but seconds. The, the yeah, but the thing is, I what people don't understand it is we all have to go
0: on a journey. Yeah. and you, the way you were, the steps that you were taking, you were yeah. forging your path. And the thing is, in order to get where you want to be, mm. it's the hard. If you when you take the hardest path, that's when you get the most satisfaction. satisfaction
1: yes yeah you're right that is
0: when you get the most satisfaction you know it's like nowadays it's like I was having a, actually having a discussion with someone yeah. it's like it's, everything is so easily available because it's a consumer's market right yeah. whereas back then it wasn't yeah. whatever you wanted to do you literally had to pave your way and have all these challenges along the way I mean yeah, did you, you learn did you find that they were quite. Some of the men that you worked with
1: were quite chauvinistic. Oh, every single one of them. Every single one of them. All set in back in the 1930s. Even today, radio. You've listened to it. Sometimes it's like, when's this stuff going to change? But the bosses that I used to speak to, fucking this and fucking that, and and I'm not going to name any names, but they just and women literally falling on the floor in front of them, and them like enjoying every moment con- con- completely controlling a female presenter I got controlled every time I was told I was a piece of shit it's just oh and and the women were never given the chances that the men if if, if something was going to happen for example say I don't know some roadshow or something it was the men male presenters that would uh, have the opportunity of being the main host and uh, we would be the little idiots on the on the grass, um, you know, saying hi to a few people. It was just, it's always been like that. Even in the the, my, the height of my career, a lot of the jobs initially were uh, given to, to the males. So, you know, XYZ bloke will be the main DJ. XYZ bloke will be the host. Only an, until I set my ground and Missy D became this massive entity who I didn't even know who she was because she was apparently a celebrity. Uh, I don't like saying the word celebrity. I will say I'm a, I'm a known entity, but there was a point where things I turned things I didn't turn things around. Things turned around, where people were calling my radio station and saying, "We want Missy." We they're going like, "You can have bloke one, bloke two, bloke." No, I want Missy? I want Missy. So then Missy on the on 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 the work that I did was then being recognised for who I was and what I, how I was being received at. Out in the public. Then there was like people coming out. I want to call my diamond sense, Missy D. I want to set do this, Missy D. I want to endorse this thing with Missy D. So, and then it became a problem for my bosses because I've said this before publicly before my one of my boss on my one of the radio stations ran out. And she was so jealous that Missy was getting more publicity than the radio station itself. She was like, This is my fucking radio station. This is not Missy D radio. But I didn't make oh it with my radio, god. so I'm I I just carried on doing what I was a small time girl from Coventry, and I've always said that. And I commuted from Coventry to London. I had no idea how big Missy was until I moved to London. Until mm. people were chasing me down Oxford Street, asking me to lick their lollipop, asking me to autograph their asses, asking me, you know, uh, you know, getting people. you to lick their lollipops. Yeah, honestly, I'll, I'll oh never my god, it. You know those in Top Shop you used to get these really big, massive ball lollipops. They were like a oh big, yeah. T- t- yeah, tennis ball. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'd been on a restaurant to a restaurant with my cousin We're walking down. Oh, I goes, Missy, Missy, Missy. I was like, oh, my God, who's that? My, my cousin Ram is like, you have no idea who you are, do you? I goes, no. So she came running, panting, panting. Oh, my God, you're Missy D from radio. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, can you please just, can, just please lick my lollipop and I will never eat it again. I'll just take it home and just stuff like that. There was a man used to one radio station. He, roses he'd throw roses at my window every morning oh and it was just and then i remember going out once to a restaurant in north west northland west london and the conversation i had with my friend was uh they emailed me go oh last night this is what you said to your friend and it gone it kind of word for word for exactly there was too much salt in your chicken blah blah and you loved your garlic no and i'm like fucking no, hell man seriously um oh my bloody lord yeah, so Then that's when I knew Missy D was big. And Missy D, I still, I never set out to be a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity. I loved my job. I loved passionately sitting in front of a mic and talking 24 hours. I would say 24 hours, put me in front of a mic. I'll do it all day long because it came from my heart. I I can't script a show uh, because like when I talked to you earlier about doing this, you said it's just going to come naturally. That's the kind of presenter I am. In my head, I know the kind of route that the show has to take, but what was coming out of my mouth and how I was, Apparently, um, saving people's lives was beyond me. You know, people. I went to a gay club once because I was hosting their 20th uh, anniversary or something. DJ Ritu, she'd invited me, well, probably got the year wrong, it's probably 10th anniversary or 20th. One guy, I remember clearly, he came up to me. I was in a VIP area, which I hated. And anyway, he came to, up to me. He goes, Missy, Missy, can I just see you? Said so was security guard got out of the way and he lifted his sleeve up and he showed me all these marks on his arm. He goes, see these? he goes I these are self-harming marks and I did this every single day I'm a massive fan of yours and I listen to you daily and there, are, there was something that you said on radio one day that you helped save my life I was going to commit suicide that morning but you said something and I didn't I didn't kill myself and I was oh I, my p- god yeah so that's yeah that's but where people just I don't about, re- yeah.
0: yeah people just don't realize how some people can be inspiring others yeah and helping them in so many different ways yeah. and this was like one of the reasons why I I thought to come up with this podcast yeah um because everyone having some form of issue one way or another and everybody who's been coming on have been talking about their experiences and yeah. I don't know how it's going to help someone or oh, definitely it's going to inspire someone and that's the whole point because unfortunately a lot of people don't openly talk about their experiences, even within their close friend circle. Um, you know, people have just become, I, I don't know, very closed off. Some people aren't just as frank or it's that fear of judgment. It's judgment. I think it's, judgment. it's that fear of judgment. Fear. Um, oh, just, yeah, yeah. It's that fear of judgment, but it's like, we're all human at the end of the day. We're all kind of going through the motions. We've all got our own individual challenges yeah um from one it thing has, to another it, i think
1: it, today today it's it's easy for you to speak out and say your truth but i think in asian culture like i've grown up and i always say it to my mom from the, se- from the day onset since born being born don't tell anyone or so and so what would they say about us so we still have that instilled in us like yeah you know, if I say something about my family publicly on something, then, you know, she's going to hate me. And then the whole of the community will know about X, Y and, and Z. Although still you people, you know, people like these rugby plays and stuff coming out going, I'm gay on national television and footballers and stuff like that. But it's in their culture. And I still with Asian culture it's still we've still got that double whammy. We've got two steel doors and we've got go through one, but you've still got the Asian door. And, and that's still hard to break through with and i'm trying very hard to break through but even I still have my restrictions it, you know i'm still working on myself and there's a lot that i would like to speak about and i'm thinking should i should i not is mm. it going to bring shame to the family because that's the way you've been born when born, you sorry yeah no it's okay yeah that's
0: absolutely fine i mean th- there's so much we can talk about on that topic you yeah. know i mean every asian woman has got something to say right yeah, um yeah. and the thing is our family dynamics have a huge influence on us you know and like you said you're on your healing journey and the people yeah. people who are like kind of aware yeah of the impacts they will resonate with what what you're saying and what yeah. i'm saying the people who aren't aware oh yeah they probably know but they're in denial yes that's true they're probably in denial um yeah. Because I spoke to another lady in Drani Phillips um, uh, 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 not so long ago, and she was talking about her experience growing up in America as a first Asian-born generation there, and her experience being in a predominantly white area Mm -hmm. where 5% were probably black and she was probably the very minority of in of an Indian family uh-huh. and her experiences but whereas you were brought up in a predominantly kind of Asian area was commentary in Asia quite an a- Asian area
1: it was an were... Asian area but still very uh we you were called Paki in in the 70s and 80s uh, I went to school with white people um so I've I've even till this day I still feel um, inferior to, to white people or, or non-Asians. Um, that's why I chose, when I worked in Asian radio stations, I felt very comfortable working um, in Asian communities uh, and going out. I truly believe in white supremacy and to truly understand the way we have been treated between white and Asian. But although Coventry yeah, is, is is not predominantly Asian, I'd say it's a, a mix. And I did live, I lived in Fozil when I was born. So that's completely Asian. But still, there was a lot of racism out there and and a lot of um, being treated differently. So even though my mom was a school teacher and stuff like that, it was it was very different. So from the days, you know, the Teddy Boys and all that stuff, with skinheads, bricks in your window, had it all kind of thing. So yeah, so it has been. They,
0: those were quite scary times, especially like when our grandparents and parents came over from India and stuff. Yeah. So
1: it was hard and I I salute them for for doing that but you know we've had the things of like go back go back to where you came from go back home and stuff like stuff and uh I I this is going to be probably really controversial I grew up thinking I was a Paki I didn't know what Paki's were until I went to Asian radio and obviously working in an Asian environment you're very open about yourself so you know a black person a nigger can call a nigger a nigger and a Paki can call a Paki Paki because it's an internal thing within your community do you know what I mean because that's and we are very racist within the Asian community. We are. We talk about Jamar this and Jamar that and Jata this and whatever, bomb of this and all that rubbish, right? So, and then when I went to one of my radio stations, um, I, I, calling someone Asian, I was really confused going, Asian, what do you mean? I just call them Paki's. Like, we are Paki's. And there was like, no, Asian. And then I had to learn the terminology British Asian because I'd be brought up thinking I, I was called a Paki all the time. So we'd call each other Paki's within our family. And then we didn't even know what Pakis were. And then, as was older, twenty plus, I understand a Paki was a Pakistani, and this person there was that person. It was just really confusing. Oh God! I mean, the
0: sort of terminology that we had back then—it was just like mind-blowing. But the thing is, I I suppose we were—I mean, I don't know about you, but we were kind of, kind of came from very protected families to a certain degree, and we weren't exposed to the outside world. Yeah. But when you left radio, you said you left at the height of your career. Obviously, there were issues, as we've spoken about. Yeah.
1: In the work environment. What was the breaking point for you? I was just the the, the last station I worked for, they just cornered me and decided to take me off the flagship show which was breakfast and i'm not an arrogant coward thinking oh i'm D, and i need to do breakfast but breakfast and or drive which are two of the flagship shows are, are my strengths i was demoted into an afternoon show by a person that wanted my show for many years and had it she had it in for me and another person um and it was just a case of another i felt like i'd just been punched in the face again no, taken to a room and said, on Monday you'll be doing this show and you'll no longer be managing the station, blah, de, blah, de, blah. Mm. And I just went, you know what, fuck you. Because every single station I went to, Missy Missy D was born in London, but before that I worked in Leicester, I worked in Birmingham, on the other stations. Um, my real name is Ritu, I had to change my name when I went to London uh, because there was a there's a DJ route as you know um, yeah. so Missy was born from me being a Missy Elliott fan um and then uh D from my surname Darmy. so Missy became huge and it became a problem for me because it, my colleagues treated me differently my bosses treated me differently I was treated like shit all the time internally externally like i was telling the lollipop stories i had huge love i had bags of hot sweet sticky jillibies mm. coming my way i'd go to a miller and my whole trailer would be full of hot sweet sticky jilippy packets because every man and their dog bought me hot sweet sticky jillippies i, I was,
0: remember I was, listening to your broadcast as like hello you're st- sticky
1: jlippies yeah, yeah that well, was, was, that was one hot, of sticky of phrases yeah, yeah that's a, and it became famous but internally oh my god it was a battle and it was just, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't do 100, hunji, Benji, Benji anymore. I can't. I was always told, you know, if you're going to go out to I was asked to go to various kind of events and stuff like that make sure that you kiss that man's ass make sure you kiss his ass and make sure that you kiss his ass as well because he's the financier he is the guys that are going to pay, be paying our commercials. he's the one that fancies you he's the one that wants to go on your show I'm like, I, I can't I can't do this fake bullshit anymore and every and and I felt like a lot of people if you didn't jump into bed with someone or you know or flirt with people, yeah, yeah lick or anything then you weren't going to get anywhere. I mean, I was nominated at the height of Missy D. One of the the uh, award ceremonies, I clearly remember, I was nominated um, and along with the, the, obviously BBC and other Sunrise and all that stuff. It was guaranteed that I was going to win this thing. Guaranteed there was no, not again, like no arrogance, but there was nothing bigger than Missy at that moment from what I'd heard. And lo and behold, I didn't, I didn't win it. And my whole station were like going, what the hell? So, as we'd had obviously a few drinks at the bar and stuff like that, going out and stuff, one of them collared the one of the um, people that organised the events, and they went, well, basically, if you, if uh, this station had paid more money towards the advertising or you know done this for us X Y Z, then of course you would have won, you know. So it's, you didn't the car, so you're not going to get the. Uh, um, so it's nothing. I've never. There's really- always that politics behind everything. It's like, yeah. you
0: exactly. know,
1: which is not great and it's and that's not exactly why I left radio politics are slicking 100 benji um uh, you kiss my ass I'll kiss yours you shag me I'll shag you it was just disgusting it was just the and the people used to backstab me all the time I genuinely got people into radio because I thought they were good there's there's still people in radio that I've got into radio and god bless them I really do bless them that they're they're doing really well but it's just like hello here I am here, there you are, but there's no I'm not even looking for a, a thanks, but I used to just people chat always comes back to you, doesn't it? Gossip yeah. always comes back to you. And the shit that people were talking about me was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So it wasn't a game that I wanted to play. It was a game that I fell into, did it for a good 20 years, came out of it, and uh, but because I passionately loved the the just being in a studio on my own, and because I wasn't it, I've always been a bit of a loner and a bit of a home girl. Yeah so for me I was always on my own I was in a studio with a microphone and it wasn't like the kind of studio like the BBC you have a producer you have a this person mic person sound person it's just you in commercial radio it's just you you script your shit you produce it you say it you do everything you play the songs uh, and 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 so it was all kind of like me and I got I used to say i get paid shit a shitload of money eventually not at the beginning eventually to chat shit so I love that and that's why I went into deep depression because I just so dearly missed that life of being, I didn't miss being famous. I didn't miss being an entity. I didn't miss being Missy D. I just missed doing my job. So, yeah. So How that's-
0: would you say depression kind of hit you? Because obviously everybody's depression is different and very few people actually talk about depression, especially yeah. within the South
1: Asian community. Yeah, yeah. You know, Me, um- I just came home and cried and cried and cried. Just every day, just cry. I didn't want to get up every day. Just cried. Just it was just darkness, and it was just I knew that my game was over because I'd exhausted every avenue, station that I wanted. There was only the one station that I wanted was the BBC, and the BBC I had been stopped at so many angles. It was ridiculous. One time when I applied, I was told, "Oh, uh, you're too affiliated to the station that you're working for in in London. So you're so well known and um, connected to that." We can't have you on the BBC. One time I was telling I did another demo or your your pronunciation's not great. Another person, she basically went, well, I know what your ex boss has already called me and told me what you did, which I didn't do anything because he was a complete dickhead. Um, And so there was no room for me at the BBC Asia Network. I even got to the top controller of one of the top people in the BBC, a white man. He was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you not on this this Asian radio station? Because oh, I don't know, mate. He then put me in touch to talk to someone in the Beeb and it turned out to be that stupid cow again. Oh, and no. Like, you're, not wel- you're not welcome here. So it's all contrived, all bullshit, all politics. And you're in there if you're, again, kissing ass. It's asshole. almost like, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, kind of. Yeah, and I almost okay. feel like in in my world, in that those 20 years that I did, or 20 plus years, whatever it was, I just felt like I was being attacked by spears all day, every day. And it was just came home, knew that where else can I go? And and like I said to you, I have not got the confidence or had probably still if I'm being honest, because I'm doing a lot of um, inward kind of healing at the moment. If I'm honest, I have a fear of um, not being good enough for mainstream radio. So, people go, my sister, right at the beginning when Missy D was massive, she goes, Why are you not applying for Radio One? Why are you not doing Kiss FM? I was like, Mate, they're white. That's a Gorda station. I love my Bollywood and I love my Bungara And I know how to work my audience with my mixed chat of, you know, mini Punjabi on the Dutti And you mix the Punjabi with the Hindi, with the mm-hmm. with the English, and you play the music that you love. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Radio One. I'm going to play some rock tune that I'm not going to be into. And it's just a different world and stuff. And I don't know that world. And I don't understand that world. And although I listen to mainstream radio, it's not, I don't think I've got the capabilities or confidence to do that. Mm. So that's why I was like, well, that's it. Then I've done all the Asian radio stations. Um, and then I kept getting little offers from not being bad, you know, the smaller stations or uh, you can have a show here, me see five pounds an hour. I'm like, fuck off, five pounds a bloody hour. So it's that kind of environment. So it took five poundy meal isn't even going to buy you like a meal deal nowadays yeah exactly but yeah it took me five four three four years to to understand that i would never go into radio again where do i go what do i do what job do i do and then in the end i had actually had my i'd done my pgce which is another story but i did it right at the beginning when the station club asia had won their license there was a year that they said right we've Got you a job, but we've, it's going to take a year for the license to come and for us to set up. You got, if you choose to say yes now, you're guaranteed your job in a year's time. So, are you okay for that? I'm like, Yeah, cool. So, did that. And then in that year, I did my PGCE just before I started Club Asia because my wow. mom said, oh, be a teacher, be a teacher, be a teacher, you know, blah 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 blah. Find a munda, find a munda. I'm like, Well, you told me not to find a munda. She told me not to find a munda when I went to university. Now, all of a sudden, you want me to find a munda. It's like, Jesus Christ, just too much. That's a classic
0: oh, one God. where they say you know you can't when you go to university you're just going yeah. there to study you can't yeah. have a boyfriend don't talk, talk to anyone don't, don't yeah. talk to
1: yeah. anyone don't come yeah. back pregnant don't have sex don't have a relationship do not have a boyfriend merely larger key is the they key say more bullshit and then then yeah no she goes find a boy now you know you're a club asia go and find a boyfriend i'm like are you mad i goes now then i was in the the bunga of I'm Missy D. So any person that would come to me, it'd be, oh my God, I'm going to be dating Missy or I'm going on a date with Missy. And they just wanted to be with Missy. Missy would get them VIP tickets. Missy would get them free access to all the lounges. Missy, hang out with Missy, 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 Missy. And I'm like, mom, do you understand? They don't want me. They want Missy. So there was the whole, and then I would start to understand the, you know, like, so what's, is it Robbie Williams that went into deep depression? Yeah. I used to say I'm really lonely. I now understand what these celebrities say. I'm lonely because it is a very lonely place being a celebrity Mm. or known, it's
0: yeah being a known figure is not an easy thing for anyone I mean I have friends who are I would say well known in their field and sometimes when you have very frank conversations with them you know it's Sometimes their character that they portray to the public comes out. And I'm just like, don't talk to me like that. I go, I know you. <laughs> yeah. Don't. I'm like, you know, take that mask off. That's to what me, I hate. Yeah. And to me, you're just normal Joe Blogs exactly you know you're just to me you're just another human being you're joe blogs you might be so and so oh the well-known personality wherever but to me
1: you're you just my friend i will talk That's to you know, i'm like that this so uh, the, the the healing stuff that i'm doing at funnily enough i did something this, uh, something like this a, a couple of weeks ago and it goes listen there's two of me there's a missy and there's a retu and she was like so uh, we're going through the issues and stuff and it goes it's like i have to be retu normal because like missy is retu yeah. So as you can see, I'm talking to you, and you—I I don't know if you ever listen to my radio shows. I'm very similar to how I was on air, just real, just normal. I'm not. Yeah, I did, and that's I, why I was—I knew your
0: bad yeah. phrase, like the hot yeah.
1: sticky jealousies. Yeah. But what yeah. they always say
0: that we've got three sides of yeah. us: so the side that people know, yeah. the side that family know, and the yeah. the real us who we only know.
1: Yeah. So, but we, you do have to perform. So going back to those people you're talking about. You do have to put that facade on. So she goes, Well, I uh, goes, the issue is when I all of a sudden someone's recognized me as Missy, there's a whole new person to me. I'm like, Missy the superstar, Missy the rock star, Missy can be the entertainer. And then I go, Hey, my mom's like, uh, is it the dinner maid? And I'm like, you know, that's a Vitu at home that no one gives a shit about. And I'm going, Do you do you not know who I am to it to her? But yeah, you have to play different. Faces and there are all different masks, and it's, it's it's not hard because now I've just melted into a pot of three, four different personalities, and that's who I am for life now. Mm. I think, unless until I like I said, I'm on a healing journey, so at the moment I'm trying to find out who I am, the root cause of me, and who is Missy who is me too, who is whoever, because there's so many of me.
0: I think there's so many of all of us, to be honest with you, and it's just like a case of rediscovering who we are. We, I think, we all go through our journey and there are certain points where we do hit rock bottom some you know sometimes we hit rock bottom more often than not and then again it's like you're reinventing yourself
1: yeah um but I lost the 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 the, the want to reinvent myself when I left radio then it was just a case I, I did I still had a little bit in me so I left I got depressed then lo and behold, someone came along and he wanted to invest in me, start up an online radio station. I was like, no, do you know what? I'm done with trusting. A, I was a human aid I walked around going, I hate humans. I don't trust humans. I don't want anything to do with humans. I don't want anything to do with radio because radio is a bastard as well. But then he convinced me like online radio station, Missy, this is your station. We're going to set it up. It's all yours. And you call the shots and stuff like that. But it just it became another melting pot of egos and bullshit and, Uh, He backstabbed me, uh, not backstabbed me. He just treated me very badly in the end when he knew how badly I've been treated. So it was just, and that was the end of me. And that's when I started. I've now, I did a whole timescale of my life, my career, my illnesses, and this chronic illness I now have started a month after that the final, the final sword is stuck in the back of my neck that a month later I became chronically ill. And since then, I've been having to battle that. So I now know where it started, how it started, um, but that's just not the only thing that has made me ill. There's lots of stuff in my life that have made me ill. So um, it's an accumulation of things. I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah. As
0: you know, oh, I specialise in that because yeah, I've been do. through it on my own journey as well, haven't I? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've had many a conversation um, about, and I've been quite
1: frank about. Like, yeah nice which I love about you. you're very always honest very frank and you you're like me you, your life is on 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 social media and I don't think there's any airs and graces about you which is fantastic um so th- I think I mean I don't actually physically I've never met you to be honest on the street but I do resonate with you and I feel like mm. sitting here I feel like I'm Met you a million times and sat and chatted you loads of times. It's just really weird, isn't it? It's a weird. Connection. Yeah,
0: it's really weird. I mean, you know, with your depression journey, yeah. what made you come out of it? Was it this offer of the radio, or was it you just you working
1: through it? Because no, the depression when- started after that. The depression started after that online radio station. Mm. What made me come out of it was my mum and my sister. My my mum. My mum is a very positive, uh, glass full. I've always been a negative glass empty. My sister's very, very positive too. And every time I would drop, they would literally pull me up from the collar like this. Like, no, you're not doing this. You are going to go and bloody get some work. Go and do this. Go and do that. No, Nothing wrong with There's nothing wrong with you. And I'll be sitting there literally not being almost um, on my deathbed. Nothing wrong with you. Go to fucking work. So it was just a case. <laughs> of, uh, I know you don't like supply teaching, um, but just you have to get out of here and just carry on. I made supply teaching um work for me. Sorry, the, the window cleaner just turned up <laughs> and turned my blinds off. Um so I made supply teaching um a grounds for entertainment. So I will then I would then literally after a year of it started to enjoy it because I would then get, oh Mr. Tommy, you're the coolest teacher I've ever met. Because I'd make teaching entertaining and, and getting to the level of the kids and stuff. And then I'll kept getting job after job because all the agents were going oh, for some reason they want you and i'm like yeah because i'm just like not bothered about what i'm teaching it's about how i, I miss cool teach- i'm miss cool <laughs> yeah yeah miss cool so the coolest teacher um and then obviously after a while now i have they've signed me off sick because i can't go out into like all the schools are full of infections and diseases and stuff like that yeah but yeah but so i i then kind of made myself love that but my passion in my mind is always back on radio and wanting to go back into that field but then I think do you know what? It's is I'm 50 going to be 53 next week um and I think I just need to transition now into something else still with that maybe you know I'm still dibbling dabbling starting up some podcasting uh but my mind is like why can't I why can't I go into mainstream tv I'd love to go into be a panel member on loose women and why can't I be on that you know okay I'm not a known famous person but I want to be a contributor on that. I want to big brothers coming up. Why can't I be a big brother? So I'm now doing a lot of kind of.
0: Well, what's to I'm say gonna...
1: you can't that the thing is, and you, you made your own
0: opportunities. Yeah. But, right? yeah I, I was young and fiery. Then, and
1: yeah.
0: Okay. Life hasn't been the best, obviously okay. with health, you know, yeah. health is wealth as they say, but obviously, you know, you're on your healing journey and yeah the amazing thing about being on a healing journey is you learn so much about yourself. And the thing is, it's like, um, you realize how wonderful you are as a person. Number one, number two, your strength, your resilience against all these crappy situations that you've been through. And like, I've come, I'm, I'm a damn God warrior because I've done this. I've survived. But with you, I mean, this is how I see you. And I'm like completely in awe that you agreed to come on the podcast, you know, because I've always admired you, you know, especially like listening to you at a time when I obviously I'm not that much younger than you. I'm
1: yeah. well, I'm younger than
0: you, but not keeps <laughs> younger than you, you know. But <laughs> it was like great, you know, there's someone, there's a role model mm. who is out there setting example that anything is possible. Yeah,
1: yeah you know yeah, I'll um i'll accept that with humility but yeah uh I mean, when i go to doctors and stuff and tell my story i, th- I can't remember when, a couple of months ago i was i was like because i've got a habit of talking fast and she just looked at me she goes you know i'm I'm absolutely just your energy the way you are you've just told me all of this you've been told you're going to die three times da-da-da-da-da-da-da. and but you know apart from your tubes here i wouldn't even know that you're ill because severity of your illness but the the passion that you have to fix this is is great is unbelievable and she goes you know i shouldn't be saying this because i'm a conventional doctor but if you think that this healing thing is going to work for you then just go for it and i was like yeah so and yeah you're right and i've just recently learned being ill um and going on a healing journey we are lucky people to have have that illness to now learn how why the illness is there how can we get rid of this illness why is the illness what caused the illness we learn about life and there are people that just go through life and they haven't learned much really and they're just that's it born bought all my shit and i'm dead and stuff so there is a reason why i'm ill i've got lessons to learn i've got karmic debt i've got so much to uh still learn uh but it's very interesting about every single day i'm reading i'm absorbing i'm researching and it's it's amazing So I thank the universe for this illness every single day. Thank you for this, because otherwise, how would I have learned? I would just carried on being Missy D star and probably ended up, you know, doing 100 Benji for the rest of my life and thinking and becoming probably an arrogant cow, getting paid millions to entertain people. And then I would have died. And what kind of a journey is that? Nothing.
0: (laughs) How do you think this has like kind of impacted you on a spiritual level?
1: Would you say you've become more spiritual? Uh, I don't think I'm spiritual. Um no, I've never I lost lost a uh, belief in God many years ago. But still, uh, you know, a of mine came uh, a couple of months ago and I was saying, she goes, You should do Vaiguru, Vaiguru, you should do bar to put and stuff like that. She's very religious. And I was like, Masi, I don't need to do that. She I goes, I am God. And she was really, really quite offended. She goes, you can't be God. And I goes, but I am, because at the end of the day, you have to understand that we're all consciousness. We're all the same. We're all moving matter. We're all the same one. There is no Allah, no Waiguru, no this, that. there's They've given names and it's fine conditioning for the masses, for them to have a focus on something. But really, we're all the same. There's just one bloody God. So... Okay. I, I, I still don't believe in a god i believe that there's a universe and we are there's a reason it's a mind-blowing if you think about everything that humans animals plants the chair the table everything it's all living matter all vibrating all moving and stuff you know so that's what i believe yeah. in that there's something there and we're yeah. all connected and i believe in reincarnation i believe that we are just a traveling conscious from one body to the other so but god as such I always say I'm multicultural. When I used to teach in schools, I'd say, look, I'm a multicultural person. I respect everyone's religions. I celebrate all the religions, which gives me loads of parties to go to. I respect what you think. I won't disrespect it. And there are times where I'll walk around going, waiguru And I will listen to uh, Simran because I love Simran. But that, for me, that's the focal point of doing meditation. Mm. So it matter, I'll, I'll do some Aum chanting. I'll do Nam Yorengi Gyo, anything, Buddhist stuff. So it's just, I wouldn't say it's spiritual. I just think um, I believe in being a good human, um, and I believe if you do good things, you're like you're you're enlightening your, yourself. And I call it the black balls and the white balls. I've watched an Indian film called Thank God. You must watch it. I think it's Amazon Prime or something. It's a very basic film, but it kind of gives you uh, the whole perspective of karmic debt about mm. getting the black balls and the white balls, getting more white balls than black balls. Yeah. And I've never got wanted any kind of thank you or gratitude or fill in my white balls for any reason, because I love doing it. You know, a lot of people say yeah. "Why do, you do that you could have been a bitch because I, I could have been a bitch, but I don't want to be a bitch. You know, they never do it for you. And I say that that's their karmic debt, not mine. So I've always been that kind of giving person. But I, I don't know. Like, I hate rituals and I hate, you know. Sunday, no meat, Tuesday, no balni Wednesday, no katna. You know, and then and you know the orm and the the fires and stuff. It's great for the people that believe in that stuff. But what pisses me off most is when people they I call it Mun and it's you know who you know if we get shot down with thunder wheel. But my mom sits there and she's sitting here, right? She's sitting here. She's gonna put Juni on her head, and she's gonna do part. I'm like, why have you got the juni on your head? Can you tell me where is God? God is everywhere. You are God. Is you, who are you putting the putting on for? We're not in a good water. This is when she's sitting in the lounge or something, you know? So, but for her, it's it's a ritual. So I don't do that.
0: It's that learned thing. Yeah. It's that learned thing. It's what they learn. Like, yeah.
1: Generationally. Exactly. And then when I'm in my desperate modes, I will be like, I'm like, do you know what? Screw you, God. It's just like, fucking screw you. What the fuck are you doing? Having me in this fucking world, living with this shitty disease. I'm stuck to a bloody pipe. And it's just either finish it or end it or let me carry on with my life now. I'm, I'm learning. I understand how much to learn. I'm getting there, but it's just like, so there will be times when I'll be able to we'll talk to God. But I, I always say, um, Allah, uh, Wai Guru, uh, Jesus Christ, Son of God, St. Carlo Acutis. There's so many dainties that I will name. Mm. But at the end of the day, I always just say, I am God. I've got the power. God has given me the power. Because when you think about how your body works, and how it's supposed to be working perfectly, but then it becomes imperfect. And that is because of the misalignment of our chakras, um, and because of all the emotions that we store in there. Um, but God made us all as a perfect machine, and this world is perfect, and we've Im- imperfected it by not utilizing what God did. Yeah, but God is just a name, it could be
0: anything. It is it is a name. It's like I remember like a, I was having a conversation with one of my friends and he said God is the grand order of design. Yes. Yeah. Right. So and also like some of the books that you read. And I, I don't know if you've ever come across Neville Goddard. And yeah. it's like we have that God consciousness. It's like yeah. we have to
1: become like God. Um Yeah, we are God. Conversations we are with the, God. That's what I learned this from It's amazing, an amazing book. Uh Donald Walsh. Conversations with God. I've
0: never read it, but I have read um Many Lives, Many Masters. It's on my shelf there. A brilliant book. <laughs> it's one yeah. of the best yeah. books. Um, but I would highly recommend reading The Celestine Prophecies. I don't know if you've ever read that.
1: Celestine Prophecy, odd oh, you say that because that was put on my radar yesterday and I've just downloaded that book. So yeah, yeah. that was something
0: I read when I was about 18, 19, and that was wow. a
1: massive game
0: changer. Wow! yeah,
1: my pilot books are always up and down and reading and absorbing everything. But Many Lives and Many Masters, brilliant. And this is kind of what this Thank God film is about. It shows you like, you know, he dies, he goes upstairs, they're downloading the programme, they're showing him his life, the things he had to learn, things he didn't learn, why didn't he learn them, all the people that he passed, through how he affected them. it's a, it's amazing because it is an ongoing journey so it now less, and less i am afraid not afraid of dying so my mom hates it when i talk about death and i'm just like you have to be real about this thing now people are dying younger this life, why because this bloody humans have ruined this world by polluting it with all sorts of stuff and our lifestyles and the demands of what we have to do and all the pollutants in our food and all that Pesticides and shit like that. But it all ultimately comes down to us as a, a human to be sorting ourselves out first, you know? So, but you know, if I die, all I'm doing is transitioning to another me.
0: Yeah. But I think people forget because again, it's their way of um conditioning. Of right? course. And conditioning. I hate conditioning. <laughs> Absolutely. I yes. think a lot of us do hate conditioning, but yeah. it's like, it's the way that they've been brought up in a different yeah. generation as well and then also it's like but the thing
1: is if if we're being real change is the only thing that is constant yes which i've learned now do you know the person that i am now was not the person that i was pre-missy d days when i was just Ritu. i was a completely different person then but my conditioning was and has been really bad and i've had to uncondition myself and i'm still struggling with that now today but jesus christ the we the People parents don't understand, and I've I've read about this as well. It's not the parents' fault because their parents are, they've learned from their their parents, and then when they become a parent, they parent the best that they can. But there's no manual how to parent. And no, stop. there isn't. No. There so when my my sister, she doesn't shout at my nephew. But if there is a time when she shouts at him, I'm like, no, you can't say that to him because it is the 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 years one to six when they're picking the the, the sponges and they they pick up. And once you say something to that child, it's going to take him a whole bloody lifetime. To get rid of that one thing that mom said to me when I was five. So I truly believe in that. But it's, it's, yeah. it's it, it, it is it a huge. It's the way they treated us in back in the 70s and 60s. You know? So imagine oh God, how, that's how, not much, a... how much trauma we have installed in us, you know, e this and e that, you know, <laughs> e kardi, and you know, e or, you or do
0: classic it. one was like, you know, we all, right? Do you remember that film, Long Dalishkara"? Yeah. So that in every town or every family will know a global mussy yeah,
1: yeah it
0: was the gossip of that section yeah I saw your daughter here I saw your son there you yeah. know on the corner of the street you could even be talking to someone and that gossip will get home before you even got yeah. home and then yeah. it'll
1: be like Do your get outside the bus stop yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah oh, we knew I know there's so many of those but yeah yeah, there was a girl in, in Coventry. commentary. I won't even name who she was, but it was like she's this and she's that. Don't you dare be like her. And oh, down the witch or boyfriend? And oh, you're like, oh my god. But then, and then, but then you look at the flip side. And you look at the Western culture. Then you think, which one's better, Western? Because Western, they're like when you leave leaving the house, when you're ten, like when you're moving out, when you're going to be paying the rent. You know, when you're bringing your keep in the house and stuff. So it's a very different culture. And then you think maybe sometimes it's okay nice to have had that um you know the way that we've been brought up and we've had a good cultural life and I always reminisce about the 70s and 80s because I compare that life to here and I say about my nephew he's going to be four in April and he won't know his cousins and family like we back in the 70s did we were so close-knit our doors were open we'd eat together, hang out together, know our cousins intricately because we were made to. Holidays were going to your cousin's house. It wasn't going to the bloody, uh, you know- uh, No, and space. in those
0: days, it was just like, throw the duvets on the floor. Yes. You lot are sleeping there, yes. we're all sleeping there.
1: And like, yeah. we'll be like play pillow fights Exactly. like but that. You, you being around my age now, probably talking to your cousins, you can reminisce about story after story after story. But my poor nephew, when he's 30, 40, 50, he's not gonna have any many stories to reminisce about because the parents nowadays just don't have time to have time with family it's only normally a christmas or a a lorry or something like that but ours was constant weekends holidays
0: society was different then as well though society was so so different but it's like now where things are so pressurized now again yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. societal changes you know we've got to have this we've got to have that but it's the one thing that i've come to realize is yes everyone is busy yeah we have to make the effort back then it was a case of it was just natural thing yeah. but over time everyone's just become self absorbed you could yeah. say because it's almost like they've got a point to prove it's like you know like um back in the day goodness gracious me Sketches, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was it the Coopers or yeah. I can't remember? Um, what it was like, but my son's a doctor, yes, my son's an engineer, yes, yes. you know, my son is a lawyer, yeah, yeah, I think and, there's an element of that now, but less, yeah, it's less, yeah. but yeah. a lot of it has come from that, yeah, 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 so if we didn't have so much of that, we could probably still have that, mm. like that. That closeness that we once upon a once upon a time had exactly. but yeah. the thing is like the, the families who are migrating over now like say from Italy or, yeah. or other European countries they still have that closeness yeah. whereas others who've been here for like years yeah yeah and years we don't probably have that as much and the other thing is yeah. everybody's just so caught
1: up in their own stuff it is yeah um, yeah I you think know. our parents are just learning about coping to live in a country and these people have had it They've got it on a silver platter and it's a case of now now you know isn't heard of in our days my my son and daughter they're in private private nursery private reception and you know primary school and we're spending thirty thousand pounds a term for them to go we're like mate we went to a normal school and got you know beat up and <laughs> came the home.
0: classic one would be from the aunties now my son is going to be going to a grammar school oh, grammar what school, school are
1: you going to Oh god! And the poor, the uncle have no that. social skills. Poor skill kid can't speak Punjabi because I am big. Although, like I said, I am not religious. I am big on culture. You know, if you are Indian, then instill an Indian culture in your child. I constantly is going to my nephew Punjabi. Boliakar, the and he'll be like, "What you say, Mimi?" Because he calls me Mimi. I'm like, and I said to my sister, "I goes, you need to speak Punjabi. Give him Punjabi food." Yeah, there are like a lot of like parents from our generation.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean I know I worked with some people when I was in corporate um girls and guys who were like around our age group, yeah like from um, I would say late 30s to like 50s or something.
1: Some of them couldn't even speak Punjabi. Yeah. It's it's uh, you, you, they you, you can... in my world. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Yeah. in my head i'll be like oh do you know what you know Jack? I, I think i remember when i was a kid i think people i would be embarrassed to speak in punjabi because people would take the piss out of me because at that point you were so much racism and you wanted to be prima proper english mm. so when people say speak punjabi you'd be like no don't want to do it but then obviously mom being a teacher and stuff we got taught punjabi but i think most of our parents coming back from india in those days automatically spoke punjabi and hindi to us anyway yeah they, whatever now the parents are that like my the parents don't even speak Punjabi Hindi you're right so then their kids ain't going to speak it and two three generations down it's all going to be diluted our culture is going to disappear because on one side but then I talked to earlier on in the podcast about those other parents who mental state they've been so conditioned they're the ones you know that if you marry a Gorda I will chop your head off they're, there's that type of uh, yeah there's stuff. that as well but the thing is the people who are going to keep the language alive
0: they will yeah yeah well but the thing is when it comes down to it like we're talking about parents are speaking English with their children um and they're not speaking the mother tongue yeah. so to speak yeah yeah I mean even when you I I have friends in India but everywhere like especially in the cosmopolitan cities like Mumbai Delhi yeah. um Bangalore and even Jandigarh you know, they actually speak more English than they, they do speak Punjabi or Hindi. Yeah. Right. So it's just a, and most of the children go to an English yeah, medium, medium, or, medium, yes. Or what have whatever. And you're like, fine, English is a universal language. We understand yeah. that, but yeah. still remember your roots but the thing is is now there's yeah yeah now there's and I don't know if you've found this but obviously like with some of the people that I follow on social media there's been this huge trend to going back to our roots more and more people are actually going back to our roots and I would say and this and a lot of it is, again, down to conditioning, because if we think about it, when the British went over to India, yeah. like God knows how many hundreds of years ago, obviously, yeah. like way before our time, we're not that ancient, right? <laughs> before someone thinks I'm 100-odd, you know, and I'm wearing a like dodgy mask. Um, you know, they, they wanted to actually tap into the richness of India. Yeah, so yeah. over time, where they brought yoga over and yeah. other things off, over you know everything has been so watered down it's been whitewashed yeah, quite literally. Yeah, yeah but it's a case of now the more people are stepping forward the more of that ancient knowledge is coming forward again and people are yeah. going back to it now which is a positive thing
1: yeah it, it is I, I, do you remember i think about four or five years now ago all the asian kids are getting proper traditional names like Jordan and stuff like that. V. Yeah. And uh, there's another one that is oh, or from the Barney that were coming out of the I was like, oh my god, these are amazing names.
0: Yeah. It's like I remember like when we were like in our teens, like someone would have a son that was like Dylan. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And then
0: Lee. And then Dylan or was it what other names were really popular? Cameron. Cameron. And um okay. but then there were there there would be some which would be like Aaron Jit or
1: the deeps and the dips and, and everything
0: yeah. and i came across one name <laughs> um it was called uh, what, i went into the bank one time uh. and there was um one of the ba- one of the employees there what was his name Ag- I oh. it oh my god something really like long. And i'm like <laughs> it, it was like like a russian
1: influence with a bit of at the end, I was like, oh hey. isn't it bad though?" Because at on one side you want it all to be like inclusive and stuff, on the other side you're thinking, "Oh, his name is not Punjabi or Indian-sounding or whatever." Which it's is not- like my sister; they, they were very blatant. My nephew's name is Shayan, and he wanted a name that he wasn't directly. Uh, as soon as you say it, that you know he's Indian or whatever because of taunting in the playground, and I'm like, "Well, as a teacher." It's shame for me, because like, normally, you know, Inderjit Punjabi, um, I know Mohammed, Muslim, and you got, I don't know, Sharon, a bit kind of thing. But yeah, at the moment, it's, it's, a, it's I think it's a 50-50 mix of the traditional with the my child will not have an Asian influence and be completely white grammar school and go to where Boris went to, wherever he went to, you know, <laughs> or Sunak <laughs> went, who, you know, Sunak is very non-Asian. <laughs> Oh, yeah, very. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah so, proud I, that he's, a, he's a Hindu, I don't Hindu, Punjabi, wherever he is, and he's our prime minister.
0: But the funny thing is, apparently, his grandparents were born in Pakistan, so apparently, the Pakistani people are claiming him to be no. part of their heritage as well. There's loads of videos on TikTok, I've always sent oh, them to you. Let's like, check them out, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's quite funny how people's heritage influences in so many different ways because i yeah. remember like my grandparents speaking about their experiences because obviously before india became india and pakistan became pakistan it was all one
1: yeah um big well, my, my nation my mom was born when it was pakistan and yeah. then she was just a year before the um partition, partition yeah but she was born in pakistan as well yeah yeah so it's like because my family are from
0: the pakistani side as well and then came over to india and oh. it's like the, even then, you know, if you think about it, they became refugees. yes, yeah, you My know and,
1: refugees, that's the same story yeah you know,
0: and it, it's just so amazing, but they again, that has impacted us as well. massively,
1: massively. massively. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. A culture really interests me and stuff sometimes really angers me, but it also interests me. And I do love to keep the culture alive and stuff. So I, you know, I speak Punjabi, Hindi, uh, uh, do a little bit of this which I'd learned from when I was on radio and stuff is when that's what I say when I said Pakistani and she's like I understand what you're saying so it's just you know I, I I love the fact that I have that richness of culture but I think when I was a kid I think I did not because I was embarrassed about it I was made to feel embarrassed about it like you know no I'm an Indian. I think
0: we've all had that to a certain degree I think we've all had that I mean me personally, I went to a grammar school, so I went oh, to do, yeah. I went to a grammar school, and I was one of the very few Asian Indian. really? Indians, yeah, in that school. Oh. Um, and predominantly it was like um white, a bit of black, a bit of uh-huh. Chinese, and stuff. Uh-huh. And it just felt weird. Whereas my yeah, cousin, yeah. who's the same age as me, went yeah. to a school down the road, and there were more Asians there, yeah, than there were at my school. So, in a way, my like when I was at school, my my dad as I was growing up you're talking crap and I'm like no I'm not bad talking crap seriously (laughs) but the thing is it influences you and shapes you to become the person that you're meant to be it doesn't mean that I don't know my culture or I'm not in touch with my culture
1: but that's my personal exactly you know I don't I've learned in my healing journey you know you just got to let people be you are you are who you are and you have to accept people how they are yeah
0: yeah, yeah. so what are we going to see with Missy next is Missy going to be
1: hopefully putting together a podcast I uh, well like, like I said it's my birthday next week so I've asked my family to get me some podcasting stuff so yeah I've been podca- I've been pushed into podcasting since I ever left radio and in those days I was like what is this podcasting you know and it just was an alien concept to me that you're going to sit in my room and chat on this mic and where are the people going to listen to me because obviously I was just used to people Listen to me on the radio, switch on the button and stuff like that. So I was like, it's too much headache. Then I got to do all the marketing and stuff. But obviously, things have moved on now. So I think some, what they call vodcasting, which is the video stuff, the podcasting. Um, I'm doing a lot of, um, I'm doing a course at the moment, EFT. Um, So I'm learning about EFTing and stuff. And there's a lot of studying involved in that. Um, And a lot of the people that I come across, they just tell me I'm a natural healer and to go into healing. But I said, look, I'm learning about it, and I'm applying it for myself, and I don't really think I want to do the actual be a um, what do you call it, a practitioner. Practitioner. I'm. I, I don't want to. I don't think Missy is the person to sit in a, on a computer or a office and sort people's lives out because I get really stressed out. Because I've done a. I don't know if you had a Brandon Bay. I went to. A, 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 um, she's. She does the journey. So I. It's another place where I went into a room with someone and you kind of work on each other where you're like participants in this healing modality and then we go into a breakout room and the woman lost the plot she was like oh no this, this and this she was screaming and crying and I was oh, like no. man. if I had to be a practitioner obviously they there crying with her and it just it actually kind of it hurts my soul to see people so traumatized and stuff so you have to be a, a certain type of person to do that but what mm. I keep getting told by all the people that I'm working with I've got a massive army of people working like little squirrels around me trying to get me better and they keep saying look Missy you're just a healing person so when I tell them about my, my radio and and my public speaking and stuff like that I automatically send out healing vibes and help people yeah helping that way and, and so- I
0: completely yeah. agree I mean I yeah. really think that you sharing your story will help people in so many different yeah, ways so that's
1: that's the plan to go out tell them I've, I've got no qualms or embarrassment about telling me people about my illness and i will be telling them how i've conquered that because i am on going to fix it i'm not going to die um and then yeah podcasting video casting ted talks Um, who knows and also I don't know if you recently been seeing on Facebook I'm singing to heal so I'm singing every day with my my pinky guitar yes Um,
0: I have seen that I have seen that uh, because
1: singing heals your helps heal doesn't heal your lungs but it helps with the gas exchanges in your lungs more elastic so singing um, plus the
0: sound vibration
1: yeah exactly so um, a stand-up comedy has been in my radar for a long time writing my book so I've already started a book called oxy girl uh, a, a a story about a girl who's got an oxygen machine and she goes uh-huh. and she's a cool person like Missy. Literally she's she's mini me. So um yeah um, it's like literally Missy and her oxygen tank targeted towards maybe a year five, six child, who knows what what year. I'm not too worried about who I'm targeting. It's just gonna come out um writing and see where we target that. So uh I've got um a book about other things in my radar. So writing um, I'm starting theatre next week. So next week I'm doing an advanced theatre programme. Um, Lovely. As well as Thursday until March. So mm-hmm. just going. Back, I think I lost my mojo for 10 plus years. Being really ill, chronically ill for the last three, four years has just kept me, um, and with COVID, locked me up into a cage at home. Um, the Missy you see on Facebook over the last three, four years is that facade of missy that I want to show the world inside mm-hmm. dying in the house and you know isn't able to breathe is bleeding out and um you know in, in and out of hospital trying to save her life. Um so but I think I'm pretty much done with the uh, self-pity program and the um being ill shit. Uh, it just needs to move on now. So uh that's what I'm working on now to get rid of that shell. Um going from the caterpillar to the butterfly because I'm in that mode now. I'm I'm literally in the cocoon stage. I'm ready to fly which is a beautiful
0: journey but I think having been ill myself yeah. you know for a couple of years yeah. it does take a lot out of you you get exhausted yeah. it's like your soul is so tired
1: Absolutely. but then it's
0: almost like something snaps within you it's like I don't have this quality of life I have to do something oh, and, it's,
1: it's zero quality.
0: and it's like that you get that fire in your belly or your fire up your ass however you want to put it's, it yeah
1: I, and I then it's like
0: yeah. no this isn't me
1: you know it isn't me and you know and i always it, say it, like this this is i feel like this is kind of it's a ta- this pipe on my nose is there but i don't feel like it's part of me I'm not what the, why do i have to keep lugging this shit around with me because i don't need it um but my breathing when i if i run up the stairs or well i don't have a run for a long time but if i walk up the stairs i literally can't breathe and my oxygen levels they will drop and stuff so it's just like physically yeah i can see there's something going on mentally i'm working on it we just need to bloody move on because i'm sick and tired of having chronic fatigue of not getting up in the morning of being so feeling so sorry for myself of saying do you know what I haven't really died maybe i might just die today because i've had enough of it because there's nothing there for you to have any focus on so yeah, you'll pay myself to focus on a healing me and b sorting my life out so i've forced myself to go to this theater thing from next week i'm forcing myself to write i'm forcing myself to study um i would stay in bed till about 11 12 o'clock every single day Lately, I've been getting up at seven in the morning, getting in office at nine o'clock and being here till five and I'm having some kind of structure. And there's still so much more that I need to do, like go and start exercising and stuff. But one day at a time yeah. and trying to make those changes. Otherwise, if you don't make the change, I would say if you the, if, if you don't change the wave, the wave is never going to change. If I keep going yeah. around in a circle, how am I going to get better? Yeah. Uh, so I, I was just reading last night every day, choose to do something. One thing different from your normal routine just to break just to make that ripple in the water yeah so it's like
0: obviously it's like
1: you're you're kind of
0: making creating change for yourself I mean yeah. obviously going through like when you hit what I always say when you hit rock bottom the yeah. only way is up and it's anyway. just that step by step by step and the thing is people are always like oh I've been healing for so long but we're on this continuous healing journey anyway
1: Exactly. And, and when we're people always are healing, I'm healing. God is healing it for me. God might, you might have a consistent connection with God, but God's not going to heal you. You have to do the bloody healing. You know, you, my, my musty sits there and prays 24 hours a day and I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to musty, you can't win the lo- lottery if you're going to buy a bloody ticket. Do you, know yeah. what I mean? you have to do something to make you he can god can direct you or yeah or whatever something can kind of help you in the the direction you've got to do but you i until i i could lie in bed all day if i wanted to and that's not going to change my life so i've had to force myself yeah no
0: it's like until you don't make that effort nothing's going to change i mean it's like sometimes it's like when we're it's like i've come across with some friends with relationships oh he isn't doing this she isn't doing that you know but what are you doing nothing just doing the same thing i'm like but you can't do the same thing in order (laughs) for something to change you've got to change your approach and that's the only way things are gonna look at yourself yeah look at yourself where where do you think you're going wrong you know nobody's gonna like (laughs) men don't like being nagged apparently they probably secretly do (laughs) you know to feel important um
1: But if you're going to constantly push anyone in a corner, they're not Hmm. going to respond, are they? Of course, course, exactly. So you have to, yeah, you have to change things, um, but you have to, and I've also realised this, that I have blamed a lot of my illness on people, on situations, on things. But at the end of the day, the only person that can change is me i can't change people i can't change situations i can't think of the past the past is gone tomorrow's hasn't come it is about the now i never understood the concept of living in the now i used to have a best friend who'd always say i live in the now and i'd never get that I'm Like, no no what about this and what about that you've got to secure your future you got to think about the past but now i'm like no you you have to live for now and you have to take control of you you have to love you for people to, you know, people saying I have a shit relationship. What I've learned is um, you are a mirror Im- image of your life. See the the story about the dog who goes to the madhouse, he sees all the mirrors and he's barking and barking and barking and barking. He barks so much because the more he barks, the more the dogs bark back at him. But really they're the mirrors that he's looking at what happens, the dog dies. Why? Because he stressed himself out so much he's just dead because mm-hmm. he just thinks that people are little bastard dogs. But at the end of the day, it's him that's been the bastard dog that is reflecting that back on himself yeah you know so if you know if i've I've got to change my ways i've got to change my i've got to love myself in order for me to receive love and for me to heal no people talking about relationships i didn't find i haven't found a good partner well because you're putting out those vibes yourself you're only going to get back what you return back what you give out yeah but it's just there's so much you could talk about and go into and it's just i'm going yeah i'm i'm no guru and i'm no no person to say i'm a practitioner or i know any healing modalities i'm just on my own healing journey and i'm learning so much and but i'm blown away with what's out there it's crazy and you could go down a rabbit hole with it as well there's so much and some of it is a bit shit you think oh my god that's just way too far yeah but it's it's like people take people need to take what works for them basically that's what i've done i'm like that doesn't work so you, you must have known that many years ago i did change your life which is life on anti-inflammatory foods. So I changed all my diet and lost loads of weight, and things were getting better with my healing. But they didn't really heal me, and I was mm. going doing talks and stuff. You know, this is what you should do, and blah blah. But at the end of the day, if I change my diet, the 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 core of me has not been dealt with yet. Yeah, so I can change my diet as much as I want to, but I'm still not I'm never going to heal myself until I get down. To the it's
0: deep. the analogy that i intend to
1: use it's like peeling back the layers of the like yeah. an onion yeah exactly to get back to the, so the diet is one layer but there's yeah. so many layers you know exactly, the way yeah. you love yourself the way you love others what you get you know what you do to other people what is what you get back to yourself um looking at your trauma dealing with the trauma looking at you know how that trauma affects you now and how you can get rid of the the intensity of that trauma because it happened the blame the guilt the shame all that all that's all in oh I, I used to be such a shy child and all my life literally all my life i've never really spoken out to anybody which is weird because i speak about everything now and all i would do was keep when they say i kept it on my chest so if you imagine a yeah. lung disease and everything that i kept on my chest was building and building and building and building eventually all i've done is i've crushed my lungs with the amount yeah. of pressure that i've left on my chest
0: yeah and internalizing things doesn't help at all, and
1: all the internalization of everything you know i'm not good enough i'm fat i'm i might be a celebrity but who the fuck am i i'm not a celebrity Um uh, people out there if they look good they're a celebrity i would never looked good because i was called a fat cow you know i was judged by the way i looked um i was never uh found a, i never had a relationship i never had a boyfriend i never was never good enough for that there's just so much you know mm. um it's even like I I used to admit that i didn't even like food because i thought if i admit i like food then they're going to call me fat you know stuff like that. So, so it plays much. so many different.
0: There's so many different factors, and psychologically, it just messes so much.
1: So and, much, and, yeah. When we do EFT, there's a thing called personal piece. So a personal piece is stuff that you're working on on any negative um, things that happen to you in your w- life. Does not have to be childhood, anything, any negative situations or traumas or anything. And the 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 teacher rangana She's absolutely amazing. Um, she uh says write down a 100 of them and every day work on them so you're tapping on the morning you know even though when i was um i don't know last week my sister was a complete bitch to me it's yeah all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so tapping away on your face yeah, and chest underneath yeah, your I arm guess, which yeah. i absolutely i'm so in love with it so she says write a 100 not just to me to everyone I've got 272 and I was like, I'm going to, I've got 272 and I could keep going. I can have like 700 of them. If you want me to, you just like, all right, calm down. First do, 100, <laughs> then do another hundred. But can you imagine the amount, amount of trauma and amount of pain, just not just for my early life, from my career, my career was a massive, massive um, player in, in my illness because Missy D was great. It was a fa- fantastic life, but it also made me very, very ill. So, just I think the lifestyle of it, the the physicality yeah, wasn't it, it? That was the mentalness of it as well. You know, the physicalities of getting up at uh, three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. Getting on the road from Coventry to East London at three o'clock in the morning. Getting to barking by five o'clock. Starting my show at six o'clock. Finishing my show at ten o'clock. Eating my breakfast. Then having to deal with barking of the managers because I hadn't done this right, I hadn't done that right. Um, then station, do my management stuff or do my full time work. Then drive back to Coventry Monday to Friday if I was DJing, all that kind of thing. And then having to deal with being a celebrity, having to be to deal with um, shit emails you okay, Your 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 shit, your shit, your shit. Your shit people writing shit things about you in the press you know who the hell is this stupid cow from coventry who does she think she is so mm. i'm not saying it was all shit it was no. more amazing as well i had amazing happy beautiful life in radio but a lot of it 50 percent of it was really shit so like with everything you've got the good side and the bad side like you yeah. said the white balls and the black balls. White balls, black balls yeah i learn all that now and obviously i had to have the shit side to the good side because otherwise I would have been an arrogant cow there are quite a lot of arrogant idiots out there in media who think that you know their bubble's never going to burst but (laughs) it will one day inshallah (laughs) as I say bless you yeah
0: one thing that I wanted to ask is you you qualified in laughter yoga didn't you
1: I did yeah yeah but that also became a political field um i i was very much as as one of the things to try and heal me because laughing is good for your soul and singing is good for your lungs so okay let's do this course and stuff and then when i started to try and do certain um groups and set up certain things it started to become a pyramid so the person that taught us it was as if she had a grip on the rest of all these other pe- teachers that she was teaching and she was the only m- master laughter yoga teacher in the uk so again i was being controlled and control is a big thing in my life that i've absolutely mm-hmm. hated so it's a case of oh well you can't do that job because that job was going to that person and all the good jobs i will take the good jobs you lot down there you can do the shit jobs so no. thought, screw no, this so again much. i've just taken it as something um that i use and i did do a couple of classes here uh in leamington actually in coventry and it, it wasn't liked when I gave free classes the minute you start charging people one person turned up so all my free it's classes like- were packed with 30 40 people the class after that I went okay it's a fiver now honestly one person turned up so everyone oh, thinks God. everyone wants everything for free which yeah. I don't think is a bad thing giving things out for free is not bad no but then uh, they, they yeah. don't value what you're doing exactly which you and again that your work as well you, you know Everyone wants, um, you know, Jags. Can you give me a reading for two minutes? Only two minutes, Jags. I mean, you know, are you charging me for two minutes? You're like, yeah, fuck, I am, because I'm bloody, I, I'm a, I'm a talented person, and you, you should be paid for your talent, you know? Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Because yeah,
0: but you, you, do you... Struggle with that
1: because I see it on, online. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you see it online. You've been on my lives on my Facebook page. It's just like, oh god, here we go. But um you've had like a really tremendous journey lots of challenges yeah and stuff so what nuggets of wisdom would you share with people
1: i would my nugget of wisdom has always been be real be yourself don't be fake don't kiss ass don't do hunji benji always now my mom's gone through the whole indian route of up izzat that poor blah 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 respect do respect to yourself respect yourself um and Follow your heart. Follow your heart, and never ever let you y- yourself down. For you, you know, don't think I. If someone says, "Oh, you know, Jags, I'll get you this fantastic deal in X Y Z country," but you would have to do this, this, this for me, and you're thinking, "Well, it doesn't, you know, it won't, it won't harm me to do this. It will harm you because it's 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 not something that you'd want to do, but you you're still going to do it for the sake of getting this amazing job. So, just. Honestly, go in turn in, inside of you and think, do you know what? Is this going to do the best for me? And, but always, always be real. Always do it from the heart. Don't do anything that you don't want to do. And don't, and especially don't do things also to get shit back as well. I don't like it when people, you know, are God lovers and they go to the Gurdwara and they give £2,000 to the building friend because the boy wants to get married. Stop doing that shit, man. Stop giving for taking. Just be real. That's I've always, and when I used to train radio presenters as well the way you know good afternoon uh, and welcome to uh, to the best show of the world uh, 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 and they, they put this shitty voice on with a shitty personality like stop doing that you're fucking never going to keep it up for life and that's the lessons you need to learn in life just be the authentic you which I've only learned now. I, I I was never I I lived for everyone else, and I was um you know I lived under the guise of a, being a radio personality. I had to be a, a certain person, um and it, it it doesn't last forever. So yeah, authenticity is 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 the way forward. I think.
0: Thank you so much, Missy. Thank you so so much for coming,
1: Indeed. and I hope to have you back Thank at you. some point. Thank okay. you. Yeah, no, I, I will be back. You'll see me, don't worry. But um again, when the time is right, it'll happen. Well,
0: I can't wait for you to start your VOD cast or your podcast, whatever you're going to be doing. And I'll I'm... be whatever every
1: TV, darling. Watch,
0: watch and learn. They'll be like, Oh my god,
1: there's missing on Teddy. <laughs> the comeback's coming. Yeah. <laughs> the comeback's coming. And that do you know what? That's just another, you know, back in the radio days when I was like, I needed to prove myself. Now I need to prove to myself that I am good enough for TV. I'm not weird looking. Um, And, you know, I have the right to be on TV just as much as that Ranganathan guy. I want to be on there too. And that's where I I
0: am rooting for you.
1: I am so, so so rooting for you.
0: But once again, thank you so, so much for coming on my podcast. And I'm really hoping that you come back again on the podcast.
1: And um, I told you I could speak for the world. I've been on there for hours. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. (laughs)
0: But thank you so much,
1: sweetheart. Thank you, Jags. Love you. Love you too.